Last night, the NFL made history by announcing a 17-game schedule. And today, on Facebook Live, Gold Jacket Ron Wolf, one of the best front office executives in the game, breaks it all down. What does it mean for the four teams that don't get a bye week until week 14? Which teams benefit and which fan base has a reason to be unhappy? The most interesting storylines from last night was Tom Brady returning to New England and playing in Los Angeles for the first time in his career. We are live for your questions on this very special edition of The Mission. NFL Release Schedule 2021 Breakdown. This is football heaven. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Mission. I'm your host, Jameer Howerton, and we have an amazing show for you. We're actually celebrating the release of the 2021 NFL schedule. Yes, there's a lot of excitement in the air because everybody now is a paper champion, and everybody now is tuning in, and they're saying, hey, my team is going to go 8-8. Eight, eight. They're going to go undefeated. They're going to go 13-3. and three. Well, guess what? It's a 17-game season. History has been made, and today I'm going to be so honored to be joined by from the class of 2015, no other than former general manager of the Green Bay Packers, one of the greatest minds in all of football, Mr. Ron Wolf is joining us right here on the mission. Ron, how you doing? How's everything? Everything's fine. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Oh, this is great because this is the Pro Football Hall of Fame's NFL schedule release show. As we both know, the schedule was, was released last night, but we want to give our viewers a totally different perspective over the next two hours. And you're spending the first hour with us. We want to really tap in and learn how an NFL team is built and how they get ready to tackle this schedule right here. And a lot of people see the schedule, but they don't know the inner workings from a former general manager. So before we dive in, Ron, first and foremost, I want to ask you, when you and your team play a personnel directors, NFL scouts, college scouts, once that schedule went out, what was your perspective? How did you guys view it? Well, the way we view it, it is what it is. And uh, uh, you realize you've got 17 weeks now that you got to get prepared for, and uh, you got to play them. And the interesting thing was, from our perspective, and this kind of grew from my time in Greenback, is where where you were playing the games, i.e., were you playing in Green Bay in November and December, or were you, were you playing somewhere else in the Dome Stadiums, or or down in Florida, Tampa, or Miami, what have you? So obviously, when I got there, we weren't very good. So as far as the schedule was concerned, uh, we had a lot of afternoon. Uh, uh, afternoon games, Sunday afternoon games at noon, which are really nice right there in Lambeau Field. And of course, we we had to play those usually in September and October. Uh, but as we got better, suddenly that reversed, and suddenly games were showing up in Lambeau Field in November and December. And uh, it's a wonderful experience to go through something like that to see how uh, how you have to build your team. For example, I didn't realize uh, that you needed a bigger person uh, to play certain positions when it got to be the end of October, all November, December. And if you're fortunate enough to get into playoff games in January, it was a different structured person, if you get what I mean. Uh, you need big, uh, you need bigger guys. You need uh, guys that can withstand all all the elements, as well as knock the crap out of people. So uh, now, when you 
were a part early in your career, you were able to work through a 12-game season, a 14-game season, a 16-game season, and now a 17-game season. So you've seen the evolution of how this schedule has grown. But from your perspective, how do you think this will impact this new way, this 17-game regular season? How will it impact the roster building of a team and how it relates to getting players ready for this long grueling season? That's a very interesting question, but you know, uh, back in the day, which I'm part of, back in the day, you had 20 games and uh, you played six preseason games and you had various cutdowns, cutdowns times. So uh, from that standpoint, that never really changed, if I'm being clear there. You had the games. You just, you know, six of them didn't count. But they did count from the standpoint of who's going to make your team and who's not going to make your team. And I think that that is going to be the interesting part now when you only have three games to try to get your youngsters ready to play, how you're going to approach that, how you're going to do that. And uh, we always tried to do it with number numbers, like three quarters in game one of, of the preseason, three quarters in game two, and then that would sort itself out because you could find out who could play and who couldn't play. And then you did games three and four. And of course, then you had five and six, but five and six were played pretty much at the cutdown. And uh, so we never really understood that, which also meant they brought, you know, they brought the uh, more games. They made more games count. So it's, it's going to be an interesting aspect for those guys that have to go through this. But look, these guys today, gee whiz, are given all this stuff to make them healthy. They're, they're catered to. I mean, they, when I started, when I started, now here we go. Here's this old guy talking about what I No, but this is great stuff, Ron. This is great yeah. stuff, Ron, and this is what we want. We had 33 players. So those guys had to play. You know, our starters had to play on special teams. And, and it was different. And in those days, everything was done in full gear, full pads, no water on the field. I mean, we were just so lucky that no one ever died on it, you know, but, but that's the way it was. That's, and that's the nature of the game. But now today, uh, you, you've got to prepare your team somehow to withstand this burden of the, of the the extra that extra game and it shouldn't be that difficult i mean look what they're doing in college football now some teams played 15 games last year in college football so uh it's not that different now ron um when you were building as, as far as uh the roster the eye um I want to tap into this because I want to know, like, when you were building your team, did you have an eye on divisional opponents, uh, the top teams in the conference, or were you just trying to build the best team possible for that season? Well, that's a great question. You know, originally, I'm an American football league guy, so we had eight teams. So, so you had to know each team inside and out. So you studied every team. And it was broken out of four and four, you know, four uh, American, uh, the West and the East, I think it was. I'm not really sure how that was broken down. It was so long ago. But but you knew pretty much everything about each team. Now, fast forward to coming to Green Bay. I'd always been in the, the American Football Conference. So now I had to learn the National Football Conference. And certainly in Green Bay, you have a marvelous, marvelous rivalry with, with the Chicago Bears, the Lions, the Vikings, and they uh, guys in those awful purple uniforms, you know. So you had to, you had to learn all that, and it was a, it was an education for me from that standpoint, because a little bit different. They played a little bit different football, mm. uh, because. I'd have to say this because of the weather. You know, you're playing outside, obviously not not in uh, Minneapolis or Detroit, but you're playing outside in Green Bay and Chicago. And then, you know, our fifth team at that time was Tampa Bay. And that, 
that was a bear, you know, to leave uh, 40 degrees and go down, try to play in Tampa, 85, 90 degrees. I mean, your, your guys were pooped at the end of the first quarter. Wow. Um, that's, a, <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. I want to talk to you about the traveling aspect, because I know when nowadays, when you look at the schedule and you see that there is a East Coast team going to the West Coast, um, teams will leave a day or two early. But how did you guys travel? Like, how did you allow your teammates, as far as your scouts, to go ahead to advance to help out the coaching staff? How did that work out? Well, we were very fortunate because we're smack dab right in the middle. So we're three and a half hours from Miami and we're three and a half hours from Seattle. To give you an idea, in our division, we're 30 minutes from Chicago, 30 minutes from Minnesota, 35 minutes from Detroit. And our big trip, our big trip was down to Tampa, which was like three hours. But our longest trip was when we played in Milwaukee was a bus ride from Green Bay to Milwaukee. That was our longest trip. So we were, we were very fortunate in that regard. We didn't have to do all that, leave early. And uh, uh, it was just, it was always viewed as a business trip. First wow. and foremost. That's right. This is business. You know, we're going out there to, you know, whoop some tail, as they say. So uh, right there, that was what, that was the purpose of our trip. Before we head into our next segment, I got to know this. Do you think over a period of time with the schedule change that it may or may have some type of effect on the Pro Football Hall of Fame game? Well, it may, it may. I would imagine once everybody gets gets accustomed to the three preseason, right. people are going to be clamoring for that Hall of Fame game to give you that extra game, to give you an extra look at, at the guys to see who can play and who can't play. I bet you that happens. I know I always try when I was with the Packers to get that extra game like in Japan or somewhere like that to give us that, that, that extra three quarters of seeing whether a guy could play or not. I always thought that was so important. Wow, that's interesting because you hear from some guys, they're like, man, I just want to get to the season. But from the perspective of a general manager, you need to know the product that you have on the field and you want to see if these guys can actually play at this level. Exactly. Or you don't, you know, there's going to be somebody else in your seat the next year if you're not successful. Put, put that seat <laughs> out there. No question about that. This is great stuff, guys. And don't forget, we're going to be taking your questions live here on Facebook. So please, everybody should be like virtual uh, experts by now. So add your questions to the comment. Ron and I are going to do our best to get to all of them. But after this break, when we come back, we're going to get into his former team, the Green Bay Packers 2021 NFL schedule right after this break. How much time we got? Stop by the Pro Football Hall of Fame store, just like Hall of Famers, for exclusive Hall of Fame gear. Make your friends and family Hall of Famers. With all 32 teams in the store, there's something for everyone. Open seven days a week and no omission to come and shop. Stop in today. Or visit us online at profootballhof.com. Welcome back, guys, to the 2021 NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame schedule release special. I'm Jameer Howardson, joined by Ron Wolf from the class of 2015 Pro Football Hall of Famer and former general manager of the Green Bay Packers. Ron, thank you so much for your time today. So, you know, when you look at it two weeks ago, right here in our backyard, Cleveland, Ohio, we hosted the NFL draft. And now we're getting we're getting down the, the the NFL schedule. And as we all know, last night the schedule was released. So without further ado, I want to jump in and talk about this 2021 Packers schedule. Um, when you look at it, what jumps out to you first and foremost? 
Well, there's five primetime games. That, that's the thing that uh, uh, that really jumps out at you. So obviously the people that are in the league office think the Packers must be a pretty good football team. <laughs> so uh, that puts undue pressure on those guys, on that head coach and the rest of the operation uh, to live up to this ex- expectancy. That's the, only, that's the only thing I see here in this. It's, I mean, I can't get into the, I've been out of it too long to, to get into the specifics of, you know, who can play here, who can play there. I mean, I don't, I don't really know that. And, uh, but as far as the schedule goes, doesn't look that difficult, except they, they got a trip to Arizona. I think it's a Thursday night game that looks a little, that looks a little close, but that's it. But as I said earlier, it is what it is. You right. know, you, you have to play them. So right. more importantly, wh- where, where am I, when am I playing Minnesota? When am I playing Chicago? When am I playing Detroit? Those are very, very important things to me personally. How do you think this schedule looks um, with or without Aaron Rodgers under center? Okay. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> I think it probably looks pretty good with Aaron Rodgers under center. Mm. Uh, now, obviously, the powers that be in the, in the Green Bay operation have a special feeling for the kid that they took number one a couple of years ago. So I'd have to battle that because, let's face it, in order to be successful in professional football, you have to have a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, these days, these schedules and those Thursdays and Saturdays and Sundays, oh, that's long without a quarterback. I, I can attest to that. <clears throat> I had occasion to work uh, in Tampa Bay in the early 70s, and we, didn't, we never had a real quarterback. It was tough to do that. But it's, I think this. I think what I know of Aaron Rodgers, and this is what people have told me, He's a football player and he wants to play. So I just think he'll be playing for the Green Bay Packers. You mentioned um, that that week eight game, the Thursday game to Arizona, and then the, and then uh, the Packers coming back. And, and you look at the stretch of quarterbacks that this defense will face um, with Kyler Murray and then coming back in with Mahomes and then seeing Russell Wilson. Those are three back-to-back really challenging weeks for this defense to prepare for some for some really good signal callers that I know you know a thing or two about quarterbacks. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, when you talk about uh, those those guys, uh, you know, uh, to, to borrow a phrase from a guy I used to work for, uh, Murray's still, uh, still in diapers, but uh, he looks like a really good player. I'm talking about Al Davis there. Uh, he looks like a really good player, but the other two guys are in the top four. Anytime you want to talk about the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, they're in the top four. There's any question about that. So that is not an easy task. The difference is you play in Kansas City for one and in Green Bay for the other one. So you just hope it's bad weather. Well, and that's another thing, too. I look at the back end of the schedule, and like you you mentioned earlier about teams coming to, uh, you know, Green Bay, the frozen tundra, it's cold outside, but I'm seeing Chicago, I'm seeing Baltimore, and I know Baltimore's in Maryland, well, no, they're going to be at Baltimore, but I'm looking at the, the Cleveland Browns and Minnesota and Detroit, those are all, those are all cold weather teams that, that, you know, should not saying would, you know, would have any challenges opposed to threat, but th- that's going to be you know, you, you tend to want to have those Florida teams, as you mentioned, come in in December to play the Packers. No, you're absolutely <laughs> correct. Although, you know, the Lions are an indoor team. The right. Vikings are an indoor team. You know, the Ravens, bad weather team. No question about that. Uh, Bears. You know, the Bears, that, that rivalry is just a fabulous rivalry. And I, I would think I don't think pro fo- anywhere in pro football is like that. I didn't realize that until I got to Green Bay, how important that game is to the people in Green Bay. And uh, I'm sure it's important to the people in Chicago. But we went 15-3 and three against those guys when I was there. 
And that was a big deal, big deal for the people. Uh, you know, we have a board of directors, the Packers do rather than ownership. And uh, Tony Canadeo was a member of that board. And he said, I don't care what you do, just keep that bars. And we, we kind of did that. Uh, but that rivalry, you, can, you can't top that. I, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure people are going to say there are better rivalries in the National Football League, but in the Midwest, there, Chicago and Green Bay, great, great rivalry. Wow. What was it like? I have to ask you this question. When uh, Brett Favre made the change and started um, playing for the Vikings, what was it like when he came back uh, to to Lambeau Field and played there? What was that that energy like? Do you recall that? I, I recall that. It was very hard for me. I, I was uh, living in Florida at the time, but to, mm -hmm. to see him in that uniform, that was awful. <laughs> to me, that was awful. Uh, he's a Packer, and uh, he'll always be a Green Bay Packers player, in my opinion. But he is, you know, I was in it 38 years actively, and another couple inactive, but He's the best I'd ever been around. Mm. And when you think of those blockbuster trades, as we were talking in our first segment about building a team to face this division, the black and blue division, if you could take us through that trade of getting Brett Favre and also, too, with the trade of getting Pro Football Hall of Famer Reggie White, the legendary minister of the game, minister of defense, right. excuse me. Yeah, that uh, first, well, the first game I, I attended as a, uh, Vice President and General Manager of the Green Bay Packers happened to be in Atlanta. And uh, this is 1991, December in Atlanta. And a friend of mine ran the Atlanta, was like a general manager. I don't know if he had that title. And he told me if I wanted to see Brett Favre throw, I better go down to the field now because when the team comes out, he won't. they won't permit him to throw. They won't permit him to be a part of that. So I said, okay. So I started heading down. I never made it down there. But at that moment, I knew we had an opportunity to get the guy that I thought was the best player in the 1991 draft. And I worked on that darn near every day till we pulled it off. And, uh, you know, it paid an awful lot of rewards for the, for the Green Bay Packers. There's no question about that. And, and Reggie White, great job done by uh, a fellow in our financial department, Mike Reinfeldt, who was a CFO who, who did all, made the money work uh, to encourage uh, Reggie White to come to, to come to Green Bay. Because you were saying he was being wooed by a lot of people. Uh -huh. um, he was getting wink coats and keys to the city and all that. We came, he comes to Green Bay, he gets, uh, Goes to Red Lobster and gets a fried catfish dinner. But it did the trick. Whatever works. You know, yeah. another game, another game that jumps out to me is Christmas Day. What are your thoughts about a team playing on Christmas Day? I have to ask you that. Because people don't understand. I was listening to the radio today, and uh one of one of the Cleveland sports, you know, uh media media outlets was basically saying that no team should play on Christmas. Christmas should just be a day. But I'm saying to myself, like, you gotta have a game on Christmas, and I look at the I look at the Christmas game. You know, it's Cleveland Browns Packers. It is what it is. You got to play the game, just like you say. You got to play the game. As, I mean, this would be a marvelous game, I would think, because you know, those Browns they're not too bad. And uh, I mean, <laughs> I thought they 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 might have beaten Kansas City if that kid didn't fumble that ball in the end zone. Uh, you know, if and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, right? But that, I mean, that was close. I mean, he's on the one yard line. And uh, that should be a really exciting, good game because the Browns have an outstanding young quarterback. And of course, they're, they're going to Lambeau Field on Christmas Day. That, that'll be a wonderful experience for them. And when you look at the schedule, as far as, um, I know you always hear head coaches say, you know, the next game is the most important game is the next game. And they take it game by game by game. But from a scouting perspective, 
you know, how do you guys look at the schedule as far as like picking talent? Because, you know, you know, you're going to face this said team three weeks in advance, but there may be a guy out there that you could bring in that could help out, you know, your club against that team. I, I'm just trying to understand and learn that aspect of it all. Your thoughts from that. Well, you know, I think you're constantly, you're constantly trying to mess around with your roster to get the best 53 you could possibly get. I'm not sure what the roster is going to be this year because they've, they've added that extra game. So maybe the roster size will increase or maybe they'll add more practice squad. I don't know. But, yeah, you're always constantly stirring up the pot and trying to find better players to better your team. So if there's a guy out there like that, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You're just trying to get your team better. Hey, Mr. Wolf, we're going to take a question from one of our fan base. Um, we have Nathan here, and he wants to know, do you think like – do you like having a bye week early or late like the Packs have this year in week 13? Yeah, so I, I like that question because it depends on the health of your team. If you if you come out of the gate and your team's all beat up, well, you'd rather have it early. But, you know, now you look at it like where they are, that's a pretty good place probably to have a, a break. Because you get, to, you know, you're, you're going to get guys are going to go down. It's the nature of the game. It's a physical game, obviously. It's a game of necessary roughness. No question about that. And people are going to wear down. Uh, so I think, uh, uh, I would rather have it late like they have it. However, I want to say something about that. You know, I, I, like everybody, I read the paper and I, I was reading about major league baseball. The Dodgers were unbeatable. Well, the Dodgers got players hurt and suddenly they're beatable. So that's, that's part and parcel of it. You got to have your players. So I don't, I don't think it really matters, uh, in the long run, unless, unless you're beat up. Right. You need, right. Right. And that's when, uh, you know, I, you, you look at a, a bye week coming. I think the earliest they may come is what week three or week four. I know you got to deal with it. As we said, it is what it is, but how challenging is that knowing that like at the end of the day, you have a long haul where, Hey, you got to strap up. It's time to go. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, that comes apart. That's your coach's job right now to make sure that you structure your practices and, and your team meetings and everything around this so that you don't wear your team out, right. wear your players out. You got to, you got to do that. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You do. As far as what preseason, what has been your take on the preseason schedule and, and how you view that aspect of it all? Well, as I said in early, earlier, when, when I was in it, which was a while ago, uh, we used those games to find out who, who was going to make our football team. I'm not, I, I see now, you know, they play that last preseason game. No one, the starters don't play. That's right. So, uh, so now, now we're down to two games, you know, game one, and they won't play the, they don't play the starters there. Game three, the starters don't play. So you got game two. That's it. And the rest of the time, you got guys running around trying to make your football team. It'll be interesting to see how how that all works out. I mean, I'm sure everybody's got an opinion, like you know how to do this, right? But but you know, this is a great copy game. If the team has success doing it one way, and uh, everybody's going to copy that success, we'll see how that works out. Awesome stuff, Ron. Well, when we come back after this break, we're going to dive into Ron's top five stadiums that he enjoyed watching his beloved Packers play at. All that and more coming up right after this quick break. Join thousands in Canton, Ohio, Labor Day weekend as we host one of the most exciting events in the country, the second annual Black College Football Hall of Fame Classic. Who could step the best? Find out Friday night at the Classic Step Show featuring the Divine Nine. Saturday is Community Day. 
help complete a neighborhood service project. Join us for a round of golf at Clearview, the country's first black-built, owned, and operated course. And come downtown to Canton, Ohio, to the new Centennial Plaza to eat, play games, and watch drumlines of Grambling and Tennessee State battle. Capped off by a free faith, family, and football gospel concert featuring Marvin Sapp. Sunday is game day. Join us on the Hall of Fame's campus for lively tailgate activities, and then it's kickoff. Grambling State takes on Tennessee State, and you do not want to miss the halftime band show. Visit ProFootballHOF.com for all your ticket information. Welcome back to The Mission. I'm your host, Jameer Howerton, joined by Pro Football Hall of Famer Ron Wolf, and we've been dissecting the Green Bay Packers 2021 NFL schedule, along with getting a perspective uh, for Ron of how he and his team would build the Green Bay Packers. But now we're going to have some fun. As you can see on our social media platforms, we've been posting Ron Wolf's top five stadiums where he enjoyed watching his Packers play. So let's jump right into it. Ron, when you look at coming in at number five, Baltimore Memorial Stadium was your fifth uh, uh, place where you enjoyed watching the Packers play. Talk about that one. Okay, well, I got, I got to tell you, I never watched the Packers play there. I grew up there. Oh, okay. That's the, that's the stadium I grew up with, the old Baltimore Colts, starting with the All-America Conference in the 40s. And then that was a Babe Ruth Stadium. And they built this 53 and had an opportunity to, to watch those great teams that won championships led by, arguably, uh, until Brady came along, I guess, the best quarterback ever to play the game, John Unitas. And uh, so that, that was a thrill to be able to uh, to attend those games and watch watch this team, how it assembled itself, because, because it was the whole city. The whole city loved the uh, uh, loved the, the, the blue and white. Did you say that was your where you grew your passion for football, that you knew that this is the field that you wanted to get into? Oh, no question. No question. I have an opportunity, uh, you know, starting with the All-American Conference. Our first quarterback there was a guy by the name of Hawaii Tittle, who was in the Hall of Fame. And uh, then, then that, that conference folded and became part of the National Football and the Colts came right over. And Tittle was a the quarterback there. Uh, and then the Colts suffered for a number of years till they got a fellow named George Shaw, and then Unitas came and just took off. And number four is the Oakland Coliseum. Talk about that. <laughs> okay, I worked 25 years with the uh, with the Raiders, so uh, we moved into there in 1965, and uh, we had a heck of a run. Uh, 65 and the 70s and the 80s. I left uh, after uh, 89. Uh, it was uh, just a wonderful experience there. We were a tough team to play. We had tremendous players. Uh, uh, Ken, Ken, Daryl LaMonica, Ken Stabler, George Plant. We could go on and on. That's right. Uh, uh, just look at the guy, Jim Otto, the guys that are in the Hall of Fame, Willie Brown, Ted Hendricks. Just a remarkable uh, association with a tremendous operation, of course. The guy that ran that was Al Davis, and uh, he's in the Hall of Fame as well. You know, the Cleveland Browns have the dog pound, but the Oakland Raiders have the black hole, and you don't want to walk past the black hole at all. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's I for mean, sure. yeah. You know, I, I was remiss. I, I failed to mention the two coaches, Madden and Flores. Uh, Tom Flores and John Madden are in the Hall of Fame. So, That's right. Yeah, it's, it's a, it was a wonderful experience for a guy like myself to be a part of that. And uh, number three is the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. Again, uh, uh, we, we left Oakland and went to L.A., uh, the Raiders, and uh, had an opportunity to, to play in that historic arena. was uh, just remarkable. Uh, if you think about the you know, Jim Thorpe and the Olympics, and not Jim Thorpe, I'm sorry, 
is, is, is talk about the Olympics and all that transpired there. The, the great teams with, with the Rams before we got there. Of course, we won, won a Super Bowl as the uh, LA Raiders. And lastly, and lastly, number one, Lambeau Field. Yeah, there isn't anything like that. I mean, there isn't a venue in professional sports like Lambeau Field. I mean, it's, it is a walking history book. You walk on that field and you look up at those magical names that surround that field. And these are the guys that, that really truly started the game and made it what it is today. I mean, starting with Lambeau and Lombardi and people of that ilk, it's just incredible what that place is like. And it's, uh, I used to say I always got a chill when I walked on the field, and guys would always say, well, no wonder it's five degrees. You certainly got a chill. <laughs> but that is the case with me. I, what a marvelous facility that is. And, uh, I mean, it's just it's the best franchise, in my opinion, in National League. I just learned today, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when it's a snow game, they actually have uh, members of the community that come out and clean the stadium um, Sunday before kickoff. Is that true? That's true. Actually, they come in uh, Friday and Saturday before, and, and they do that. That is true. And uh, you know, they get paid pretty good stipend to come in and do that. And it's a marvelous procedure to watch. Watch that. Somebody should film that sometime now. How quickly they empty that place of snow. It's it's amazing. And I love during training camp, each young kid is assigned a player to actually ride, you know, ride the 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 player on his his or hers bike to practice. How amazing yeah. is that? Yeah, that's no, uh that's right. It's it's just a, a great city because of the tradition of professional football and what professional football means to the people, certainly in Green Bay, Wisconsin, but anybody that's a football fan, it's, it's a marvelous place. First of all, should be on your bucket list. Make sure you go to a game in Lambeau Field and make sure you do it in September <laughs> before it gets too cold. And I would argue to say, um, next to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the Packers Hall of Fame is an amazing place to visit. I mean, that's another bucket list, whether, you know, if you're a Packers fan or not. I mean, their museum is amazing. It's beautiful. I never forget, you, you know, just, just seeing Vince Lombardi's office, the way they have it decorated. I mean, it was like you, you can, you know, you hear his messages and just the whole layout for me is as a football fanatic, it's, it's, as you said, it's pure history. It's pure history. No, it is. And it's, uh, uh, I hope they can continue it. And Keep speaking it of, and speaking of history, um, courtesy of, uh, the pro football hall of famers curator, Jason Aikens, we actually have some of your artifacts on display behind us today. And, uh, you maybe not be able to see this picture here, but that's, uh, 1993 yourself and Pro Football Hall of Famer Al Davis um, at, the, at the Hall of Fame game, which was then known as Fawcett Stadium. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't have my white gloves because you got to have, you know, your white gloves to touch it because Jason will, you know, beat me up. So I don't, I don't want to – hold on. I think my producer is going to come bring me over the white gloves so we can actually uh, show you. Okay. Beautiful thing about live broadcast. Yep. How about that? That's the uh, that's the man I owe uh, everything I ever attained in uh, professional football. I owe him. He he hired me and trained me. What was it like when he used to say, "Just win, baby, just win"? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Oh, that was it. That was it. And then we also have on display. Um, this is an amazing artifact right here. This is your Super Bowl football. Ooh. Super Bowl from Super Bowl 31. Exactly. 
1996. Yeah. Tell us about that season. Well, that was one of those uh, seasons that, uh, you know, we ended up being the best team offensively and the best team defensively in the entire league. And it was, everything just came together. We had tremendous, tremendous players that enabled us to uh, uh, be successful. Uh, we didn't have, we had Reggie White and Brett Favre who were certainly in the Hall of Fame and deserved to be. We didn't have a, a team surrounded with a lot of Hall of Fame players, shall we say, but they were excellent professional football players. And our defensive line, linebackers, they'll never get the credit that they that were due because everything other than Reggie White, everything in the, on the uh, on the offensive side of the ball because they were so explosive. And uh, Mike Holger and his staff did a marvelous job for us. Uh, you know, Desmond Howard had a year that I'd never seen anybody as special have a year like he had for us uh, and all those things. It, it just like mushroomed into a successful year, a really successful year. And when you, uh, I'm sorry, when you looked at I, that, when you looked at that schedule, I mean, you guys went 13 and three that year from the onset. When you looked at that schedule, how did you guys, you know, I, I know we always, I know we've been saying it. It is what it is. You got to play it. But when you looked at the way things were just falling into place, as you said, what, what, what was it, you know, what, what just clicked for, for the, for the club? I think what, what clicked was the team realized how good they were. Mm. And once the players understand that, and we had tremendous leadership in the, uh, you know, defensive side of the ball, uh, had Reggie White and Leroy Bumber, uh, Sean Jones, just tremendous, Santana Dodson, tremendous leaders. We had a real tough guy in Wayne Simmons on defense, uh, that that helped. That helped immeasurably. And then with, with Butler, we were able to trade for Eugene Robinson from Seattle, and that was final. I put the finishing touches on the thing because he just solidified us right down the middle. And uh, we had a solid kicking game. As I said, Desmond Howard had a, a year as a return that was remarkable. Mm. And you know, the interesting thing was when, when, when we came to Green Bay, uh, the, the class team was in, in the NFC, was the San Francisco 49ers. And Mike Holmgren comes in you know, with his staff. He only ever lost to that team one time, and that was in a playoff game in San Francisco. And uh, it's the only time they ever beat Green Bay Packers when I was there. Wow. That's, yeah. That's amazing. And also on display, we actually have your draft notes, all your draft notes from 1980 to 1990, 10 years of all your notes, which are like, I don't even want to pick it up, Ron, because it did, it did just so pristine. I mean, and we have this actual page here turned to the 1983 draft. So we got to talk about that draft, what made that draft so special. But you took some nice notes, and you got some great handwriting, Ron, first and foremost. <laughs> well, you'd be the first person that would agree with that would say that. But thank you. Yeah, that 83 draft is a remarkable draft because of all the guys that are in the Hall of Fame from it. It's – it's uh, it, it solidified a lot of teams. It made Miami good. It made Buffalo good. Uh, it's uh, just a, a remarkable year. And I, I was uh, looking at that the other day. How, how, how brilliant, not how brilliant, how good those players were. I mean, you start with John Elway. I could be any better than John Elway. And uh, you know, Marino's in the hall, Kelly's in the hall. Uh, you have to help me. I'm, 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 I don't yeah, remember. No, it's, it's, it, I mean, you're pretty much on point. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's one of those, uh, 
um, those draft classes that you know media pundits say it's it's the best of it's the best of time. It's it's the best of the best, and they're all they're all pretty much here. They're all pretty much here. And then lastly, on what we have here is reserve for GM Ron Wolf. That's the parking spot. Uh, your your parking spot sign right. Right there. Okay. <laughs> oh, geez, I got a parking spot now. It's a, it's a Hall of Fame. I can pull in. Good. You can pull in any time, Ron. You can pull it any time. Uh, you know, you can pull it any time you want. Well, Ron, we have here in the presentation room, we were looking at the class of 2015. And um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, you know, and we could talk about it right after this break, but would it meant to you to solidify your career here in Canton, Ohio, to be cemented and preserved? Because all of this is the history that we're preserving, your history that we preserve right here in Canton, Ohio. Okay. Right after this break, we'll talk about that. Okay. Concert for Legends 6 proudly presents Brand Paisley and Leonard Skinner. Welcome back, everybody. And as we conclude here with Mr. Ron Wolf, Ron, on on right right before we went to break, had to ask you a question on as far as what does it mean to you to be enshrined here in Canton, Ohio, and to have your history forever preserved here. Well, it's, it's remarkable for someone like myself to feel that they're a part of the, the history of the National Football League. To to be a member of this great, great assembly of individuals that really made the game what it, what it has become. It's, it's awesome. I mean, my feet rarely touched the ground that week that I heard that uh, I was uh, so fortunate in being able to be a part of that. And you just look at the great people that had so much influence on the game and, and, and their contribution to realize that you're a small part of that, it's awesome. And uh, I mean, it's one of those things where you pinch yourself every five minutes just to be sure it was real. And then of course, then you get the jacket and you're, and you're part of that. So it was a remarkable experience for me. And uh, you know, I went in, uh, when I was with the Raiders, I was instrumental in drafting Tim Brown and Tim Brown's in that class. And uh, it was a very interesting discussion we had because you had Michael Irvin, Sterling Sharp, and Tim Brown. And, you know, who's one, who's two, who's three? <laughs> well, we had the first pick, and we picked Brown. Uh, the, uh, and he did not disappoint at all. He's the all-time leading receiver in the history of, of the Raiders. And, in, in a lot of different categories. So that's that part and parcel of uh, being a part of that is uh, it's, it's really difficult to explain. I mean, how, how uh, I mean, you're so, you're so charged up. You're so, so delighted. You're, you're so thankful. I mean, there's so many people that played a huge role in my being a part of this whole thing. You can't thank them all, but, but uh, you know, we did do pretty well up there in Green Bay, and I think that's the reason uh, that this, this thing happened to be and happened for me. And, uh, again, it's an honor that will never, ever be replaced. That's amazing. You know, I look at the picture. I'm looking at the picture here now. And I noticed that there are players that kind of go against each other. So you have Charles Haley, Will Shields, and Tim Brown, and Jerome Bettis. And they may have played against each other. But it's one thing that I look and I see yourself and Bill Polian. 
So it's like the competitions of the front offices, if you will. But you guys now are our are, are classmates, your brothers here in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But if you could if you could talk about that, because you always see like, you know, Michael Strahan played against this offensive lineman and they're there and they're talking about, you know, how they battled against each other on the gridiron. But you and Bill Polian kind of battled against each other in a different sense of building a team, preparing a team for a very long schedule and, you know, finding the best players and strategy as far as putting together an NFL roster, if you will. Yeah, no question. The great thing about that was I was in the NFC and he was in the AFC. So we didn't butt heads very often. Okay. I, I'm not so sure we ever did. Uh, 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 he would know that better than I would. Uh, those things uh, are important to some people. They were never important to me. They're going to, this this week's over. Let's move on. But uh, yeah, I uh, you know comparing comparing draft picks, comparing things like that. Uh, we certainly do that. But again, it wasn't like it wasn't like he was with the Lions or the Vikings or the Bears. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That, those were important. Those so were important. That's right. That's right. Well, Mr. Wolf, we want to thank you so much for taking time out and joining us here for this NFL schedule release special. I want to thank you. Can't wait to see you here in Canton, Ohio for twice the fun in 21, where we're going to celebrate two classes, the class of 2020 and the class of 2021. We're looking so forward to having you and your family here in Canton, Ohio for that wonderful weekend. And thank you once again for your perspective and joining us here for this special edition of The Mission, sir. Well, that's very nice of you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be a part of this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys, that's going to do it for me, and that's going to do it for Gold Jacket Ron Wolf. We'll catch you back here at 6 o'clock, where we're going to be joined with the legend Dan Fouts for another edition of the 2021 NFL Schedule Release Special Pro Football Hall of Fame style. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I think that's a knock you've been waiting for. I want to thank you on behalf of all those who love the game. Thank you for all you've done for the game. I want to welcome you to Canton, Ohio, where for the rest of the time, we want to guard your legacy and thank you for all you've done for this great game. Twice the fun in 21, the centennial class of 2020 with 20 new Hall of Famers, and now the class of 2021, one of the greatest ever, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, Alan Fanica, John Lentz, Tom Flores, Bill Nunn, and Drew Pearson. Enshrinement tickets are on sale March 5th at profootballhof.com slash tickets. You're coming to Canton, and guess what? They are too. I'll see you in Canton with the class of 2021. I'll see you in Canton for twice the fun in 21. See you in Canton for twice the fun in 21.